Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. So they said since this is not a, you know, part of a worship service, it could be more clinical. I, I'm not sure I know the difference. I try to filter everything on my clinical through a, a biblical lens. So we'll use some Bible here still. But this is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're going to talk about the health of a system. In some ways. Um, A lot of mental health kind of in in the, I don't know, in the popular discussion kind of centers around the individual, right? Um, So, uh, you know, your genetics, your cognitive patterns of thinking, your psychological makeup. But really, mental health is not just about the individual. It's about the system in which that individual functions. And so if you sat down with me for a clinical interview where I'm really, really getting into understanding as much as I can I'm going to want to know history family history right I'm going to want to know tell me about work tell me about school I'm going to want to know as much about the environment that you're a part of as possible because it's this interaction of internal characteristics and the external environment that's why we've, you know, we talked about coping today, right? Because even if there are internal things that may incline one to mental illness, some of that can be mitigated by how well you learn to cope with certain stressors in your environment. Or some of it can be brought on by stressors in your environment. So, what we're going we're gonna to build off of point three in our last discussion which is the idea of being dis, having become disconnected in many ways. But we're going to look at it from a, a multi-generational lens. So what's the difference between those 75 and up versus the baby boomers versus the millennials versus the Gen Z, and we're going to kind of go through what all that means and a little bit about how this disconnection has occurred and impacted each of these groups. Now, because, right, and why this is important is because we're looking at, right, and trying to understand the environment the system in which we live and work, right, and interact. And, and 
we can learn some coping skills, again, to kind of mitigate some of those stressors, stay healthy. But we also have an influence. But we're also trying to be more connected with each other, right? And some of us fall in different generational categories and thus are impacted a little bit differently by social media technology. We have different coping skills that we've learned because of the environments we grew up in and those differences, right? We deal with stressors differently. Certain things are more stressful to us than they were to other generations. So the idea is that we can go through some of these things, have a little bit better of an understanding about the person sitting next to us, and maybe we can use some of these things to help facilitate an environment where we're more cohesive and where we can encourage one another better. A generation refers to, and, and I, I, I looked at this in your Bible, in the Old Testament. The word generation is just it's everywhere. Uh, it's, it's especially prominent in those lovely chapters that we struggle to read because it's just a list of names and we don't know how to pronounce any of the names, right? The generations of Abraham. And so there's kind of two ideas wrapped up in some of the words that are translated generation in your Bibles. One of them is sort of the idea of of an age or a period of time. And another word kind of has at its root uh, gene, um, and, you know, that kind of refers to, to kin, right? So the generations of Abraham, and then it goes through his genealogy, right? It, it talks about his descendants. Um, and so when you kind of put those two ideas together, when we're talking about generations, we're talking about a group of people generally born within the same time frame. And it's really arbitrary about what time frame you're talking about, right? You're talking about a group of people born within a certain century. You're talking about a group of people born within five years, ten years. But this is the way that most of the researchers in our society, in our day and age, categorize generations. Um, Not precisely. Right? There are some differences that you can find among different researchers. There are some different names sometimes for these different generations. But what's, what's most important than those dates, however, is this kind of idea that people born within a certain time share a lot of similar experiences They're raised in a world, right, where a lot of things are similar for them. And it may be different from the next generation, right? And so don't pay too much attention to those dates. They're not hard and fast. But as we talk about the characteristics of each of these generations, think about who you you most relate with. Think about the events that happened during your childhood, during your formative years, how they shaped your view of the world. And think about your children. Think about the person sitting on the pew next to you. What was different about the events in the world that shaped their formative years? 
What do you have in common? But what disconnects you? And most interestingly, what's the difference in how you use social media and how you're impacted by it? So we have the silent generation, born 1928 to 1945. And, you know, these are uh, generation after the great generation. What's referred to as the greatest generation sometimes. And then baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. Gen X, 1965 to 1980. Millennials, 1981 to 1996. And Gen Z, 1997 to 2012. Right? And then after that, well, we hadn't really started researching them too much yet. But here we go. The silent generation, also called traditionalists. Now, they're called the silent generation. I didn't realize this. uh, Because of their tendency to be more thoughtful contemplate things the uh, the events that most shaped them growing up in their formative years were the great depression world war ii radio and movies they didn't have twitter (laughs) they have social media radio and movies and interestingly enough most of them sat as a family to listen to whatever was on the radio. Right? So they had, a, they had that in, in common as a, as a family unit. Their communication styles are typically personal touch, letters, and phone calls. What that means, if you're thinking about how you support them and minister to them, right, is that... Really, if you're going to reach them, it's got to be much more personal than younger generations might accept. They need that phone call invitation. They need that face-to-face discussion. They need a nice handwritten note, whereas I don't really, I mean, I appreciate a note, but it's not significantly different to me than just a text, right? differences there's a different and motivated by and worldview that information came from (laughs) came from from research about the generations in the workplace because most of the research that researches the differences in generations and the similarities is interested in what that means in the workforce so it's HR departments that are most interested in it. Well, we're hijacking some of it for our, our discussion, right? And then after that comes the baby boomers. And the baby boomers are called baby boomers because there was a baby boom, right? There were uh, a lot of children born during this time period. And the events that shaped them were the Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement, Watergate, And their communication styles are whatever is most efficient most of the time. Most of the time for them, that's phone calls and face-to-face, right? And what do you mean by most efficient? Well, have you ever gotten that text message 
and you tried to read the emotions into it, right? Or the intent of it. It's just a simple little, you know, simple little sentence. But all of a sudden, it's in all caps. Does that mean she's mad at me? Does that, right? So in some ways that can, you know, it can be efficient just to send a, but efficient in communicating, right? That's what this generation likes in terms of that communication. So they didn't take to social media too super well. Generation X. Shaped by Watergate. A number of religious scandals. I didn't take the time to write some of them in there, but um, th- there were a number of kind of high-profile religious scandals in the religious world during their formative years. The Cold War, right? So you're talking about in the 80s and so forth. And this generation grew up shaping their communication style just like the boomers. Efficiency. So it's phone calls, face-to-face, we're afraid something gets missed if we don't get to hear the inflection in the voice and we don't get to see the eye contact or, you know, some of, some of, some of the generations to follow, you know, they don't make eye contact because we're just, it's not even wired into their communication anymore. Interestingly enough, this generation is the first to really be motivated by diversity. Especially in the workforce, motivated by diversity and to even favor diversity. Um, But they can be resistant to change. But the exception to that is they also can be quick to move on. And I read that and I thought, does that have any implication in the church? And I just wonder, what's the demographic in all of this that we're, we're losing the, the most? In terms of just walking away. Quick to move on. Hmm. Hmm. Then Millennials. I heard a couple of chuckles because you think you know what I'm going to say. Um, because millennials have a bad rep, right? They have a bad reputation. Um, but there's a couple of interesting thing about, things about millennials that I want to share with you. Um, that's me right there actually modeling for the, uh, for the... Millennials were shaped by, sadly... School shootings, Columbine, they were shaped by the events of 9-11. I remember I was in the 11th grade and everything paused and everyone went to the library to watch what was unfolding, right? Um, And so, you know, previous generations maybe watched or listened to the events unfolding of the JFK assassination or uh, 
the Challenger rocket exploding or, or whatever, right? But, but 9-11 is what shaped millennials. And then the internet. The internet, right? So this is the first generation that really began to be influenced by this boom in technology, this boom in connectivity in terms of the internet and what would lead to social media uh, and that kind of thing. And so because millennials kind of grew up with the internet, they very quickly adapted to and took to smartphones and social media and various social media platforms and just sort of, it was kind of natural for them. They just sort of led right into it. Not as natural for them, though, as for the next generation, Gen Z, right? Which are these, these, these young ones. Because they have never, ever known a world without the internet. Never, ever known a world without the internet. It's not that it is technology. It's not that it's known technology. It's that it's reality. It just is. I don't know about life without it. They were shaped by the post-9-11 world. They were shaped by the, the Great Recession, 2008 and 2009. That affected different people in different ways. They are shaped by a, what has been a growing acceptance of diversity in ways that we would recognize as, as both very positive but also um, some things that are in, in contrast to God's word, right? Gen Z, right, so think about this. Gen Z, for the most part, doesn't know a world without gay marriage in it. See how it's shaping reality? Their communication style that's preferred is instant messaging, texts, and communication via social media. Right? I'm going to tweet you. Whatever that means. I don't know. I don't tweet. Although when we pulled up out here after lunch, um, there was this little bird in the tree right in front of us and he was screaming at us. I don't know if we were too close or what, but he was tweeting his head off. And that's, he represents Gen Z. (laughs) Because that's all they've known. That is the world into which Gen Z was born. So, it's a couple of things. I won't keep you too long. Although, I know that you're used to being here until from like 5 to 6. So, 6 would be a regular... No. Alright, a couple of things. Because of their different experiences in their formative years... And because of the different ways in which they communicate, each of these generations deals with stress differently. 
Okay? In fact, in, in the past five years, adults are more likely to believe stress levels have increased rather than declined. Right? Everybody's feeling that the world is more stressful. Now, you know, you, you could argue this or that, but everybody sort of feels that stress has increased in the past five years. The, the demographic that says that their stress has increased the most is millennials. Millennials are the ones who say in the past five years, their stress has increased more than anyone else. Right? Millennials, Gen Xers, and Boomers, right? So millennials and the generation before and the generation before identify money, work, and housing costs as their primary stressors. Money, work, and housing costs, right? And maybe for slightly different reasons, right? but those are the three things that those three generations find most stressful. Now, back before that, this generation is more likely to cite health problems for themselves and their families as the number one cause of stress. And then the youngest generation, Gen Z, especially the, the ones who are moving into adulthood, early adulthood in that category, identify relationships as their number one stressor, right? Relationships. And that makes sense to me. Because your developmental job as a teenager, right, is to begin redefining your relationship with your parents, right, and start negotiating your peer relationships. That's the developmental task. And so they find, Gen Z finds, relationships to be the most stressful thing that they deal with. The, I, I, I did forget one thing. The millennials are less likely to be stressed by the economy. We don't have any money anyway, so it doesn't matter. Now, again... Each of these generations identifies different things are more stressful to them, right? And just think about, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean as you minister to, right, these different demographics, these different groups, right? What you're concerned about as, as you sit here, it, it may not be the thing that is the most concerning to the person in the pew in front of you in terms of navigating 
everyday life and coping with the challenges. Well, the only way we know, right, is if we listen and we have those conversations. But, but one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of show you that and break that down for you is because it's okay. It's okay that there are differences among generations. And we don't have to have this, this you know, we don't have to look at those younger than us with contempt. And, and younger ones don't have to look at the older ones as, oh, you don't. We've all had different experiences. We're all dealing with different stressors, but we all have strengths and weaknesses. And that means the more we come together, right, and mentor each other, put our arms around each other and listen to each other and talk to each other the more connectedness we can generate the more you can bring your strengths to my weaknesses and I can bring my strengths to your weaknesses and we do this that's why I titled this multi-generational coping because we 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 do it together across generations so Significant generational differences in stress management. I, I, I don't want to bore you with all that, but some of these groups prefer more internal things. Some of them prefer more external things. Uh, some of them prefer more distracting kind of things when they're stressed versus problem-solving kind of things. Um, so there's just, just differences. Feeling nervous or anxious is a particular problem for the millennials. Almost half of millennials experienced um, anxious and nervous symptoms as a result of stress in the previous month, according to one study. Right? So, again, we're, we're experiencing, right? We talked about trying to understand our, our current times. We're experiencing them differently, too, as generations. Because some of it's more familiar to some of us than it is to others. And so we're, we're having a different uh, experience. Now, and that's kind of what I want to talk about um, to close this out. So the first thing is, people talk about a generational gap, right? And again, there are differences between these groups. However, there's a lot of similarities too. Right? There are a lot of common threads of dealing with life, right? Those issues of money and work and housing and 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 while one group may be more stressed by it, they're all navigating it. But there's a big gap between Gen X and millennials, right? So this is the gap I want to talk about. You can take the silent generation, the baby boomers, and Gen X and push them over to one side. And you can take millennials and Gen Z and push them over to the other side. And there's a bigger gap there, right, than there is between any of the individual generations. And what that gap is 
is a technology gap. It's a technology gap. It is digital immigrants versus digital natives. Right? So our world is clearly digital. I mean, there are businesses that no longer have offices because we're in a digital world. There are scores and scores of people who get up and work in their pajamas at home because it's a digital world. Right? That is a world that millennials and Gen Z are fairly familiar with because millennials grew up with the internet and Gen Z doesn't even remember a time where you didn't have smartphones. So of course that's what the world looks like. They're natives. They're more comfortable. They're more at home in that environment even with all of, its addition, all of the kinds of challenges that it creates that we talked about earlier. Because just that's the environment they grew up in. Gen X is a little, little closer to that, but they're still not natives, right? And baby boomers and the silent generation. They didn't grow up with the internet. They didn't grow up with that digital technology. And so those three generations have more in common in general than millennials and Gen Xers. And that has a bearing on, you know, on this current world in which, in which we live. Millennials and Gen Xers are the ones who are shaping our culture. They're the ones influencing our culture. Now, there have been certain, I don't know, politically savvy, ideological people that have sort of hijacked some of those things and pushed some things through them. But it's the millennials and Gen Z, because we live in a digital world and because they're natives in a digital world and because they're so savvy with it, they're driving our culture. And that is a little bit different than previous generations, right? Influencing sort of downward. But what, what these researchers were talking about, which I found really interesting, is that this technology is trickling back. And they're actually looking at cultural trends going forward based off of what millennials and Gen Z believe and are doing and are promoting and supporting and using and so forth. And so they're saying work trends will move in that direction. Right? So millennials and Gen Z have a huge, huge influence on shaping our society. And there's this gap, right, between the digital immigrant and the digital native. And if you don't believe that they're sort of leading us, uh, just think about Facebook. 
What's the demographic on Facebook now? <laughs> it's Gen X. It's millennials and Gen X, although more and more millennials are moving on from Facebook. And Gen Z is like, face who? They move, they're not there anymore. Do you know why? You know why? Because grandma and grandpa got a Facebook account so that they could see my kiddos. Right? Because my wife takes all those pictures, posts them on Facebook, and so mom and dad got a Facebook account so they could keep up with us, right? And so then a bunch of millennials got off Facebook. They didn't want to be on there with their grandparents, <laughs> right? And, and so there are trends that are, they're trickling, they're trickling back, and so that this almost 50-year-old comedian can say, I'm not worried about it. Twitter's not real. Because for him, it, it wasn't a part of his formative years. It's a new thing that's come into the world. But for younger generations... Right? This is the world that they know. And you'd never hear them make that kind of a statement. So what that means in terms of helping them with their mental health, in part is, I can't be dismissive of it. Because while I may have the capacity to cope with things that are said on social media as, well, this is just some kid in his mom's basement who would never say those things to my face, That's not another generation's reality. Does that make sense? I hope that's helpful in thinking about how we, if we're going to help other generations cope, especially the younger groups, we've got, we can't be dismissive of what they're perceiving as as the real world. The other thing is <laughs> this idea of uh, nostalgia. Nostalgia. So I had no idea, but I, I heard on a on a podcast, which is also a millennial thing, I think. Um, I heard on a podcast um, an interview with a psychologist who was studying the phenomenon of nostalgia. And I thought, hmm, what, is, what do you mean, the phenomenon? But as he talked, it clicked with me. I was like, oh, that makes sense. So what does it mean? Well, so I grew up, I remember Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles were a big thing. When I got off the bus um, from school in elementary, middle school, there was an uh, afternoon TV show about an hour after we got home that was 
It was Ninja Turtles. Now remember Saturday morning cartoons. My favorite one was Ninja Turtles. And and so that kind of characterized my generation. Well, lo and behold, you know, um, my son, who's here today, who's 13, several years ago, he was right at that prime age. And guess what? They brought Ninja Turtles back. And I was more excited than he was. Because I was familiar with Ninja Turtles. They shaped me. You know, I had the sword. Because I was going to be the leader like Leo. I had two younger brothers, so I had to be the leader. And we we were missing a turtle. (laughs) But, But what happened was, I told my son all about Ninja Turtles. And I took him to see the Ninja Turtles movie. Right? And it was a bonding moment for us. It was a connecting moment for us. And it was a way that went about bridging generational gaps. Same thing happened with Star Wars. You know, I watched the original Star Wars. I didn't go to the movie theater. Like, that was just before me. But anyway. Um, But I grew up watching Star Wars with my aunt and uncle. So then the new Star Wars movies come out. Right? Oh, yeah. So then our family watches all of the Star Wars movies together. And so this researcher was studying how nostalgia helps tie people together. And I thought, that's pertinent to what we're talking about. Because, you know, I gave you the illustration of we've all got a smartphone or we've all got, uh, you know, we've all got um, uh, streaming services and so forth so that, you know, we can all look at something different even if we're sitting in the same room. It used to be the case that for Gen X, baby boomers, and the silent generation, they had more that tied them together. Because, well, you didn't have all those options. You sat together in the living room and watched the one TV that the kid had to go and change because you didn't have a remote. But what that meant, as far as nostalgia goes is that they all had the same entertainment. They all had the same entertainment. There was a thread that connected all of those generations. That thread isn't there anymore as much, unless we intentionally do it. Right? Because you can go home and, you know, This kid can be over here on watching their cartoons on this iPad and mom and dad can be watching their show on this TV and then the kid can be over here watching his show on that. Right? Everybody, it's just on demand. It's right there. But but there's nothing, there's, and that's, I mean, that's just one illustration that's kind of entertainment wise, but the, the thread, tying generations together. And so the real generation gap shows up there. And then the other thing, and, I, and, and I'll, I'll close, and, and I you know these are, this is, these are just things for us to think about and think about how we're going to 
um, make adjustments in our families and, uh, and in our service to one another. The other thing is, think about what happened to the home across these generations. So the silent generation grew up in a traditional home with a nuclear intact family. Mom, dad, brothers, sisters, nuclear family. Traditional nuclear intact family. Baby boomers experienced the disintegration, or dis, right, break that down, disintegration. Right? So they were le- families were less integrated and they began to pull apart emotionally and physically become more distant and estranged from one another. But that was kind of the beginning. But during that time, mom typically stayed at home. Children were special, you know, so somebody had to stay home and take care of them. However, it was during the time of the boomers that the highest divorce rate and second marriages began to be seen in the U.S. Highest divorce rate and second marriages. That was the experience of some of the baby boomers. So then Gen X, many of Gen X grew up as latchkey kids. So they'd come home from school, they'd have the key to get into the house. Because, well, mom and dad were both kind of expected to work. It was the first generation that daycare was a commonality. By the way, this is just a side note. There, I read a research article talking about how um, kids in daycare in general have higher resting heart rate than other kids. It's not saying that um, daycare is necessarily a bad thing, but we got to think realistically about what happens when kids aren't in the home, right? And they're put in someone else's care. Gen X was the first generation where daycare was the general rule. Dual income families and single parents became more common. Can you see a can you see a movement that's taking place? So then millennials. So millennials it was common for millennials to grow up as children of divorce. For millennials hey that's just what parents did. Parents just weren't together. Divorce was just a part of their reality. That's sad, but that's what it is. Millennials experience the highest level of blended or merged families, right? Because if you've got a high divorce rate and a high um, second, high remarriage rate, right, then you've got kids growing up in blended families. 
These were kids, and here's where the bad rep comes in. These were kids who were frequently coddled and frequently sheltered more than any previous generation. And, you know, we're given trophies for participating, not for winning, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, By the way, though, before all millennials get a bad rep, there's this interesting phenomenon that's occurring with millennials, and that is at, at a certain point, millennials are splitting. They're dividing. And some millennials, in many ways, are identifying more with previous generations than with their own peer group. So at a certain point, there's a number of millennials who are, they are getting married, they are having children, they are doing the same traditional things that other generations did, they're just doing them a couple years later than the other generations did. And then the rest of the millennials continue down the the millennial track that gives millennials the the bad name and what happens is within the millennial generation this group doesn't even identify with this group in fact the demographic of people that is most annoyed by millennials acting entitled is other millennials that split right we're we're becoming more divided family families breaking up you know at the core we're becoming more divided so then what about gen z what kind of homes are they growing up in well look around you (laughs) right so See, here's, so here, here's, this is why, this is why I think that the real issue is not an issue that is caused by social media and technology, but it is, an, it is, but it has been exacerbated by social media and technology. It has been made worse. It has been further facilitated by social media and technology. But it already started before that. And that was the breaking apart of the home, right? Which then led to the pulling apart and dividing people. And it's just facilitated so much more by social media and technology where I'm just in my own little world even though supposedly I'm connected to the world. So, the challenge for you to think about is in your home, in your family, but, but in this church, how do you care for and communicate with people across these generations? There's no need to change truth. There's no, right? We're not talking about any of that kind of thing. We're just talking about how you connect, how you communicate, 
how you love on, how you encourage, right? And how we relate to one another. And I hope some of these things can help because the, you know, the most, well, not the most, but one of the most important pieces to people's mental health is the quality of their connection to their support group. It's the main thing. The quality of their connection to their support group. Let's find ways to bridge these gaps and be connected. Thank you for your attention today. I appreciate the opportunity. If you will, let's bow in in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day that you've blessed us with, for the sunshine, for the birds singing, for the, the opportunity and privilege to come together, to ourselves sing praises to you, to declare your glory. We pray, Father, that the things that we've talked about today, that we'll contemplate on them, that we'll think on them, so that we can be people of understanding to know what we ought to do in our current day as we think about how we, how we guide our families to be pleasing to you, how we reach out to the lost, how we support and minister and encourage one another. We pray, Father, that You give us wisdom. We pray that as we listen to your word and we listen to your guidance, that you you bless us with the wisdom to make the proper application. All this we ask in your son's most precious and holy name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.